1: They're giving it a positive spin. What they do each and every day is just simply amazing. To date, this duo has rescued and found loving homes for more than 11,000 shelter dogs. Where do these dogs stay until they're adopted? Why, in their sprawling house in South Carolina, of course. It is a honor and a pleasure to welcome to our show the stars of a powerful movie that's going to come out in September. It's called Life in the Doghouse. Please join me in giving pause and applause to Ron Dana and Danny Robertshaw. Welcome to the show, gentlemen.
2: Thank you very much. Thank
3: you.
1: All right, hey guys, Ron and Danny operate a nonprofit called Danny and Ron's Rescue, and they have a focused mission: spay neuter, adopt, love. We're going to find out more about Ron and Danny and the impact this movie is now making in film festival circuits all over the country. They're making a difference for shelter animals, but we got to pay for the show. So, we're going to take a quick commercial break. You know the drill. Sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a
0: pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All Behave will be right back.
2: There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. dot com. Let's
0: Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Obehave is back with more tail wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now, back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore.
1: Welcome back to the Obehave show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guests today are the stars of a very powerful movie called Life in the Doghouse. Now, for more than a decade, Ron Dana and Danny Robertshaw have committed their lives to saving dogs in shelters. I got blown away from the message of this movie, guys, and I can't wait for September 12th. That's when it officially premieres to general audiences, correct?
2: Yes, yeah, September 12th.
1: So what's happening between now and September 12th? Where have you guys been uh, showcasing this movie, Life in the Doghouse?
2: It's been going around. We, not long ago, we just got back from Provincetown. Uh, it showed three times there, and we will be heading to Newport, where it's going to show, and then we go on to Dallas. And then we're very excited, uh, September 5th, they're doing a celebrity red carpet showing of it in Beverly Hills, Los Angeles. So we're very excited to attend the celebrity red carpet event of the movie.
1: That's pretty all right. When's the Dallas showing?
2: That is the 25th of August.
1: All right, because I used to live in uh san diego and i now live deep in the heart of dallas so just wanted to know if i'm around i'd love yeah, to it's actually going
2: to actually gonna play in plano texas
1: okay i know exactly where plano is it's uh, just uh next to Allen, where my sister lives all right so we're going to talk about the movie but let's uh, find out a little bit more about you two you guys uh met i guess in the 80s you were both at a horse show right you're both a uh, horseman
3: we were introduced at a horse show yeah we were, we're both horsemen and um uh Ron was new to the area, and I'd been in the area quite a while, and uh, so, you know, it was just kind of a a first meeting thing, and then later he called and asked if I'd ride a couple horses at a couple shows for his customers, and that sort of began our relationship, and and, uh, it just never stopped from there.
1: Well, you guys have, it went from a friendship to now a relationship, and you said in your movie, you both have a passion for dogs, and I think that's important, so... Tell us how this has impacted. I mean, your relationship is amazingly strong and look at all the lives of the dogs that you're saving, but you both have to be committed, right? Let's start with Ron. Yeah,
2: it's it's definitely, you know, something that it takes two because, as I said, even in the movie, if Danny didn't have the passion for animals that I did to run this, it wouldn't work and vice versa if I didn't because... I mean, it's a, it's basically, you know, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. I mean, we have dogs sick at night and, you know, you have to get up and we may have dogs that have had corneal transplants and we have to get up every hour on the hour and do four different drops five minutes apart. So there's just a lot, you know, a lot of giving. But what we both, I think, get from the love of dogs is so rewarding and I think it's very fulfilling for our lives.
3: If If we didn't, for the most part... Think alike when it <laughs> comes to animals and, and dogs, particularly. Right. Um, it would never work. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> if think we had to convince yeah. the other person to to pitch in.
1: I think that's a very good point, and I want people to visualize your home in Camden, South Carolina, on the movie. You said it's about a forty four hundred square foot, beautiful, beautiful home. How many dogs are in your home?
2: Right now, we have eighty seven in the house. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it's very hard to visualize. I mean, that's why the movie helps it so much. But it's amazing how, you know, this many dogs live in harmony. And, you know, the the one thing, I mean, there has never been one person that has come to the doghouse that they all say the same thing. How do you keep this house so clean and make it smell so good? But, you know, we go through a lot of effort. I mean, all the dog beds are washed. We do you know, 18 to 19 loads of a commercial washer and dryer every day. We wash all the bedding. We bathe the dogs every week. The yards are picked four times a day. So we're really big on having a clean house since we have to live in the dog house. We're actually their guests.
1: Tell us about your fireplace. I saw a few uh, chihuahuas looking quite uh, toasty in there. You're not roasting dogs. What happened to your fireplace?
3: Uh, we're having hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. The, the truth. The truth is that a fire screen that was there was broken, and uh, before we got a new one, uh, a couple of the dogs dragged beds up there and and just moved in, and so now those little guys, uh, they like that little haven in there, and they like their little hide of beds even better to be in there, and it just gives them a real feeling of security, and it's kind of a fascinating thing to see which ones decide they really like that as their parking place, and who doesn't.
1: No, I thought it was great. And you used to have carpet but now you have stone floors. Smart, smart call.
2: Yeah, we actually I mean we had we actually had hardwood floors with, you know, orientals down, but you know, with the the volume of this dogs and trying to keep it clean that we tore all the hardwood floors up and put down Italian stone, you know, throughout the whole house and stuff, so it's very easy to keep clean.
1: So you guys had a pretty nice life. I mean, you know, working in the horse business, having a beautiful home in South Carolina. So bring us back to 2005, which in the movie you said was the catalyst moment for you. You were doing some dog rescue, but tell our listeners what the significance is of that year.
3: That really was a year of change. And Hurricane Katrina hit the Louisiana area, and and of course that affected Houston, and people had to be transferred everywhere the bad part of the story is that the um, the dogs were not of people that owned them there, were not allowed to go with them. And so there were so many dogs, as many dogs abandoned as, as people were, probably even in some cases more. And, uh, and yet the people had no way to communicate about them or find them or anything else. And a lot of them didn't even have a home to go back to. So when we saw news of all of that, and we, we just started thinking through the dog's eyes, I mean, I had a life, I had a wonderful home. And, Now what? You know, I'm just in fear and waiting to die, really. And that thought hit us terribly. And that began the whole thing with uh, a trip to that area first, and and we just started bringing dogs from the area to save them. We tried to find owners as much as we could, but it was almost impossible. I I I remember on TV watching
2: all the coverage of Katrina and Danny and I were just so horrified and we kept seeing people having to leave but then they had to leave their pets behind and they were on the roofs and they were in the trees and they were swimming in the water and that really is what just motivated both of us you know to get on the bandwagon to help through that and when we did, Katrina, I mean, we had no idea that we would, you know, turn into a nonprofit rescue and, and go through this many dogs. I mean, at that time, we just did it because we thought it was a tragedy, and then, you know, the tragedy of Katrina took us into becoming a 501c3 nonprofit and doing this full-time.
3: Yeah, the big difference was that, you know, if you go to a shelter and you want to pick out a dog, that's one thing, but when you have... Hundred pairs of eyes looking at you. You're not so picky. You want to save the ones that look like they're hurting the most and the scaredest, and uh, and one's probably the least likely adoptable later. And that's what we did.
1: Well, I do applaud you both. And, uh, you know, you do have a new concept. I said at the start of the show, you're giving a new definition to the word life in the doghouse. Your home is beautiful. We're giving These the real pets one. Are- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you've turned into a real doghouse, but you're giving doghouse a positive spin. So tell the folks how this is a little bit different setup rescue because typically you will have foster situations or there's a kennel run or something. But no, 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 guys, this is a beautiful home in South Carolina that has gone to the dogs in a good way. So let's start with you, Ron, I guess. Explain to people why this is such a unique type of rescue.
2: Well, when Danny and I started this and after Katrina decided to really do the rescue, you know, this big and help so many dogs, you know, getting so many abused dogs to court cases and in shelters that have been abused and stuff, we found by them living as part of our family in a house that the shy dogs could, you know, come out of their shells and have a lot of human activity around them. When they live in a kennel, it's very hard. They go to the back of the kennel and they stay scared. And we vowed that to every dog that we take, that if they cannot find a home as good as we give them or better, that they won't leave. So this is a safe haven for them. And we treat them like our own personal dogs. And we, have, we actually still have two dogs left from Katrina.
1: Oh, what are their names?
2: We have Stella and we have Ella.
1: <laughs> they rhyme, of course. So tell us about the 411 on Stella and Ella.
2: They just, you know, as we kept getting dogs and crates and stuff, you know, they just came, you know, they would come full of, you know, knee-deep in feces and urine because, you know, unfortunately, they did not have the staff when they all these dogs were in warehouses. They didn't yeah. have the staff to walk them and clean them and because, you know, the shelters were so packed themselves and then all of a sudden, you know, they had to create these massive shelters in buildings, so there just wasn't the staff to take care of them. So when we would get them, I mean, they were, you know, in horrible condition and, you know, the two that we have emotionally, they're, they just weren't ready to go to a home. Mm-hmm. And so the ones that we feel that are very, very scared and not really ready or capable to go to another situation without really panicking them, you know, they live their life out with us.
1: How old are Stella and Ella and what kind of dogs are they?
2: Stella is a black lab mix and she is turning 20 this year.
1: You're kidding. Wow. Okay. And
2: Ella is a very small shepherd type of mix, and she is turning 15 this year.
1: Okay, and uh, go ahead, Danny.
3: I was just going to say that another thing that makes us a little different is that when we were eyeballing all these different animals and stuff, we realized that no one is going to take the ones that have eye issues or skin conditions and, and look like crap. And somehow we felt that we had to do that. And by doing it, and when we we say it's in our name, it's it's our dog, and we treat it like our dog, so we ended up getting a lot of dogs that have some costly problems to cure, but we sure didn't want them to die because of that, and that's why we chose so many dogs like that, and we said, whether we have the money or not, we'll get the work done, and we'll make them whole again, and it's been sort of like that. Whether we had it or not, we do it anyway, and eventually, we keep catching up, but of course, it makes the bills get high, and then we go back down again, so...
1: All right. Well, we're speaking with two very important rescue gentlemen, and we're talking to Ron Dana and Danny Robert Shaw. We're going to find out what they would do if they won the lotto right after we take this commercial break. So sit and stay. We'll be right back.
0: Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Coming to theaters September 12th, Life in the Doghouse, a heartwarming documentary about two men who, through their unique approach to rescue, have found loving homes for over
3: 10,000 dogs.
2: I never dreamed we would have a rescue this size that has taken over you know, our whole home, our lives.
3: Once we say you're part of Danny and Ron's rescue, we promise you will never end up in a shelter again. If they're capable of having a good quality of life and hopefully be adopted, then we'll stick by it and get it done. It's a film that will warm your heart. You'll be amazed and
0: inspired by these two men and the remarkable work they do at Danny and Ron's rescue. In theater is September 12th, but you need to reserve your tickets now to see it. Go to LifeInTheDogHouseMovie.com and find or request a theater
2: near you. We live in, in the dog's house. We're the guest. Want to
0: know who the latest trendsetters are in Hollywood? How about Irish setters? Find out who's been spotted with Spots chowing with their chow, and shopping for Gucci with their Poochie. Get, get the scoop on all the latest celebrity pet patter right here. Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets. Let's talk
2: pets. Let's
0: talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLiferadio.com.
3: Pet Hi, this is Betty White, and I'm inviting you to tune in to the OBA show with Arden Moore on Pet Life Radio.
0: We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox that is. Now back to O Behave. Here's
1: Arden. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We're speaking with Ron Dana and Danny Robertshaw. They together make up the org group in South Carolina. They are now touring the country at film festivals with a powerful documentary about what they're doing. It's called Life in the Doghouse. The movie is called. It's going to premiere September 12th to general audiences. But, uh, you know, you guys... Most people say when they win the lotto, they're going to travel the world, buy a Mercedes or a Tesla. Okay, guys, let's say you have a winning lotto ticket in your paws. What are you going to do with it?
2: My big dream is I would buy a spay-neuter bus. Okay. And I would have veterinarians and their assistants on the spay-neuter bus, and I would send that spay-neuter bus to all the rural areas and spay and neuter cats and dogs for people for free. Because spay and neuter is the key problem to our overpopulation in the United States and in other countries. And if we could get most people to spay and neuter their dogs, we would not have an overpopulation. My big dream would be if everyone would get their dogs spayed and neutered and they could put shelters out of business and put rescues out of business if there was no need for it.
1: Well, I'm hoping you're going to win that lotto because I think it's well deserved. And the other point in your movie, and I'm not trying to spill all the beans about the movie because it's really good, but speak about the, you know, people are all up, you know, it's semantics. Kill shelters non no kill shelters. You know, the no-kills tend the dogs to the kill shelters, but can you address that a little bit and shed a little light on who is really responsible for this over influx of dogs, cats and other animals at shelters?
2: I feel Very sad for most shelters. I mean, just where we live in South Carolina, it's a, you know, a county shelter. They have to take, I was there yesterday, and they got three pigs brought in and six baby pigs. They have to take everything that's dropped off there, whether it's parakeets, goldfish, cats, dogs, donkeys, horses, whatever drives in the driveway and is dropped off and surrendered, they have to take. And so many of the shelters in America always get bashed because they euthanize. And I talk to a lot of rescues because there's a lot of rescues and even in our area that will get in the newspaper and they'll bash a lot of shelters because they have to euthanize. And it's really not the shelter's fault. It comes down to the community. It comes down to education. I mean, there are a lot of people that cannot afford to spay and neuter their dogs, but there are many, many places. I mean, at most of your shelters, they have low-cost spay and neuter for like 10 and $15. And if you do a little research, there are places, you know, to get your pets spayed and neutered. But I really get very, very defensive of the shelters because they basically have to do the dirty work because we have an overpopulation.
3: The misconception is that most people think that the no-kill shelter is so wonderful. But what happens is they're the cause of more deaths than the kill shelters because they fill up with dogs that aren't adoptable eventually. And they have to keep them forever. And so there are no spots there for the little dog that looks like a family pet or that sort of thing to come in because the no-kill shelters get so booked up with permanence there. And it's like waiting in line to get in. So those dogs are, have to be referred somewhere else or else they're just abandoned. And that's so much of what the, the kill shelters do. And they, I can assure you they try very, very hard to keep animals alive as long as they possibly can. And when they reach out to us sometimes, it's because we've had this one so long, we really don't want to do something with it. Is there any way you guys could help us? And that's where we come in a whole lot of times.
1: So tell us, how did you get this idea of uh, doing the movie Life in the Doghouse? And people dream about doing movies, but getting it done is probably no easy task. So can you guys talk about how you came up with the idea and, and got Ron Davis to say yes as the producer?
3: Well, well, you've we, got it backwards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. We, sorry. He didn't come
2: up with the idea. Ron Davis came up with the idea.
1: Okay, help us out. Yeah.
2: And it took Ron Davis two years to get us to agree to do it. He whined and dined us and whined and dined us, and we kept saying no, no, no. And Danny and I kept saying we weren't interesting enough. How many people want to watch us feed 80 some dogs and <laughs> medicate 80 some dogs? Yeah so on and so forth, and, you know, he kept talking to us, and he said, you know, you guys just have to trust me. You have a beautiful story here, and so we finally agreed to do it, and it took about, I don't know, two, two and a half years of filming, you know, to get it completed, but I do have to say the interesting thing is I, the whole time Danny and I kept saying to Ron is, you know, when you have a book, Gone with the Wind, and you make the movie, it's easy because you have a book with a story, and then you can, you know, make a movie out of it, or out of Africa, or whatever Right. you read, you can create a, a movie, and we had no idea how, you know, he followed us to the flood zones in Louisiana, we went down to rescue dogs down there, he followed us out in the woods, trapping dogs, he followed us under house trailers, he followed us to horse shows, you know, he followed us all over the country, and we could not figure out how he was going to make this a story. And I do have to say when we saw the movie, Danny and I both cried because it was Uh so moving that he really did create a story of our lives.
3: I I kept saying we're just not that interesting. There's nothing interesting. (laughs) And now I realize that we were so engulfed in what we did and it was so natural to us that we kind of felt that everybody knew that. And the most rewarding part of the film is... The couple times we've gotten to see it, when people that we know, that know us very well, are sitting right next to us, and at the end of it, there's tears running down their face, and they said, you know, we know. I mean, we thought we know. We all have thought we know, and yet we know nothing about what we really do. And Come to find out, it turned out it really is interesting. We were fascinated.
1: Well, I love how you, uh, how Ron Davis incorporated some of your childhood footage, and I know you don't will never hurt a turtle or anything else, but uh, you know that was wonderful. And then the the way the I don't want to spoil it, but I love the where the camera angles are. You start off with the movie, and it's almost at dog level, right?
3: Oh my gosh, that was so much fun just <laughs> watching uh, Clay Westervelt in our house trying to figure out how to do this, and the first couple of times trying to get some of the dogs coming through the doggy door and stuff, all they did was stop and lick the camera and jump on his lap and in his face, <laughs> and we were in hysterics because we thought, there's no way this is going to happen, and sure enough, while you know we're doing different things and stuff, he, he runs to Lowe's, he buys a PVC pipes and he had tracks all over the place and then a drone and so he'd get him right up in the face sleeping and the dogs didn't want to go up and lick that like they do a human it's just so oh deep.
1: that's clever that's clever and it
3: made it it made it so beautiful
1: so i know we want to help you guys out so we want to give them the information on how people can make donations i want them all to go to the movies and i know that the net proceeds are going to go to shelters like yourself is that correct
2: Yes, 100%. Ron, Ron Davis is donating 100% of his profits from the movie to animal shelters all over the country.
1: So, how do we donate to help your cause in uh, South Carolina?
2: Um, if you just go to Danny and Ron's Rescue, we're on Facebook. We also have a website. If you just Google us, and on both places, there's a donate button. And if you'd like to mail a check, there's also an address to send a check to. You have we all have adoption yeah. fees. You right. Know, all of our dogs are spayed, neutered, microchips have all their vaccines, dentals, everything they need. We do corneal transplants. We do everything to give them sight. And anyway, we just survive on donations only.
1: And you have given up a lot of your retirement funds to keep this place in operation.
2: Yes, we did. Because <laughs> when we started with Katrina, we were not a nonprofit. Yes, and we couldn't ask for any donations, and so we wound up both of us spending about forty percent of our retirement fund, which was very costly. Because then you had to pay taxes on it, taking it out to do the Katrina dogs, because it was so expensive to you know get six hundred dogs spayed and neutered and heartworm treated and so on and so forth. So it was very costly to us, and so we were very fortunate that somebody saw us in the press and from Michigan and decided to become our attorney pro bono and also oh, made it the very nice. C3. We are well, forever indebted to Danielle McCluskey. She was, she was an angel for us.
1: Well, we give a shout out. Yeah, I think uh, Fates made it so that the two of you guys got together. You have this beautiful home and a unified mission. And the other thing is these dogs in your home are getting a chance to socialize with other dogs, know what life is like in a house, which is your dog house. So doesn't that help with their adoptions?
3: Oh, it helps greatly because uh, so a lot of people contact us and tell us that they, you know, I'd like to have something around this size and long-haired or allergenic-friendly or whatever you want to call that, and about the size and whether it's with children or whether it's for a mother-in-law to have as a couch potato. And having lived with each dog, we have a report on each dog and we know what they're like from the beginning when we get them and how long it took and how comfortable they are when new people come in the house That's and great. how they react with the other animals and... uh And it's interesting when they like a certain type of person, but not another type. And we child test them and we cat test them and and, uh, everything we can try to do to make it where they only go to one home after us ever.
2: And that's in our contracts. We have a very strict contract that, you can never give the dog away. If 10 years from now you don't want the dog, we will send transport, and the dog comes back to Danny and Ron's rescue and will live their life out with us. But you're never allowed to give your dog away or take your dog to the shelter. If you do, you agree to pay us $5,000.
3: We have all the dogs on record and in the computer, and, and uh, so we, we know where who has them. And Good. and they're microchipped in our name and we leave them in that name and uh, that way we'll get the first call because we have 24-7 access to uh, responding to calls. And for instance, if you were going to France and you left your dog with a, a house sitter coming in and out and they left the door open and it got away and anyway somebody takes it to a vet or something, then we'll get the call first and we'll probably find you a lot faster than they would and we'll make a lot more effort. And uh, so we don't mind getting the the calls about that if we can make sure things are okay. And we also ask people to keep a collar on with their cell number. Good. If it's on the side of the road and people stop, they're happy to dial a cell number real fast. But a lot of people aren't real willing to find a veterinarian or somebody to read chips.
1: Right. I call them shelter alums. My dog and cat, Kona and Casey, now work with me and we teach pet first aid all over the country. And we also visit their therapy pets now. And I make sure that their collars are Embroidered with my cell phone number, so it's much easier to read Kona and the phone number than try to look under the face of a dog. Hey, look at that tag; right. that you can never yeah, read.
3: We, we so do it I, our collars too; they're all material. Yeah. Ours, yeah. They're
2: all, ours are all embroidered with my cell phone number across them. So we do the. We don't allow any dog at the minute they start to come into the house. That's the first thing they do is they get an embroidered collar on them.
1: That's really wonderful. So, guys, I know we're talking about shelter dogs that you've rescued, but there's more than just shelter dogs who. Land in your doghouse, correct?
3: Correct. But the more we've learned, and the and the larger we've gotten, and the more people know about us, people find us when they're having family problems and and want to place their dog, but they really don't want to put it in a shelter. People will find them at rest stops and things and. And, you know, odd places, and we we'll get calls about it, and uh, we'll go try to find it or, or catch it. And uh, veterinarians call us when people bring dogs in that are hurt or sick, and people don't want to pay for the operation or they can't do it, and, uh, and ask us if we want to take this on and try to do that. And so we do pitch in with that as much as possible.
2: We also take a lot of abuse cases through the court system, and we do get a lot of puppy mill dogs. We work very hard on trying to put a stop to puppy mill.
3: Well, and uh, fighting, dog fighting.
1: Gentlemen, I salute you both. We have enjoyed having you both on our show. We're speaking to Ron Dana and Danny Robertshaw. They are of DannyRonRescue.org in Camden, South Carolina, and they are the profiles of Life in the Doghouse, a new movie that is now making the uh, film festival circuit and getting quite a lot of Pardon the pun, pause and applause. And it is going to be opening uh, nationwide September 12th. If you want to do something great, please, please encourage all your friends to come and watch these movies and please check out this nonprofit rescue. They have basically converted their 4,400 square foot beautiful home into a beautiful doghouse for more than 80 dogs. Guys, any parting messages you'd like to say? It's been a real honor to have you both on the show.
2: Well, we're very honored to be on here and thank you for all your listeners because obviously they're dog lovers and if it weren't for dog lovers, Danny and I would not be able to adopt dogs out because it takes takes us on our end, but it takes all of you out there that have such a big heart for love of animals that adopt dogs and that's what makes the wheel go.
3: And just, I'd like to just throw out just the three things that are so important about dogs and people don't always think about them. Is one they're just unconditional with love and everything to do with it, and they'll never give up on you. That's number two. I mean they they'll stick by you no matter what you're going through in your own life, but they'll be your best friend. And then on top of that, when they're in pain, they're so stoic. So I just ask people to be aware of their pet, and make sure he's exactly who you think he is all the time, because if if he's not. Something is wrong, but he's so stoic, he'll, he'll never tell you about it until too late.
1: Well, that sounds good. Folks, we have been delighted to have Ron and Danny on our show. At this time, also, I want to give a pause up to our producer, Mark Winner. He is the Wizard of Paws. He is in charge of all the shows on Pet Life Radio Network, the number one pet radio network on the planet. I just like to say a lot of peas. And uh, I hope you check out my site ardenmore.com. And until next time, this is your flea-free host Arden Moore delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there: Oh, behave!
0: Coast to coast and around the world, it's all Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do, and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin, Tinseltown.